You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Church in Huntsville, Ontario. Harvest Church is a community that exists to love God, love people, and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at myharvestchurch.ca. All right, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 6 as we wrap up this series that we've been in in Ephesians. We're going to be just covering a few verses at the very end of Ephesians chapter 6. And all through this letter, we have seen in the the book of Ephesians this panoramic view of who Christ is, his love for us, and who we are as we pursue after Christ. Yet here in these last few verses, we're going to see just a personal and practical outpouring of that love that Christ has poured out on us. My, My hope is, as this letter ends, Paul gives this benediction. That's just a fancy church word that means a blessing. And, and, and Paul's giving this, this benediction, this blessing. So I pray this as we jump into God's word this morning, that it would be a blessing for you. That we would be blessed in the same way that Paul was seeking to bless the first people who read this letter, that for us, it would be a blessing today too. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 21. He says this. He says, finally. Sorry, he says, verse 21. He says, so that... You also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. I just want to jump right into this. And and, and here's the blessing that I'm praying for you as a church, for myself, for us as Harvest, that we would see the blessing that we see in this blessing Paul gives. The first is this, a blessing of a community that cares. That there would just be this blessing of a, a being a part of this community. And he tells the church here in Ephesus, he's sending this guy Tychicus to them. Or Tychicus, I don't know how to say it. We'll just call him Tick for short, right? Ladies, if you're expecting, here's a good name right here, right? You've got a name, put it on the list, Tychicus, all right? And, and he, he says, I'm sending you Tychicus, and, and my prayer for us this morning is that we will be blessed with, with this community of faithful friends like this guy. This guy was Paul's partner in ministry, faithful to him. And, and I pray that we would have the same here, that you would have brothers and sisters who cry with you, who laugh with you, those you can talk to, bear your heart with, who share your burdens, share your joys, people who are there when you need them. That's what this guy was for Paul. He says in verse 21, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, now we don't know a lot about this guy, Tychicus. He is mentioned in scripture about five times, always by Paul. He was was a a friend, a partner. He, He accompanied Paul to Jerusalem where Paul was arrested. He stayed by his side when Paul was escorted to Rome. He was there when he sat in prison. He's been with him on ships on remote islands. He's stuck with Paul while he's under house arrest. And here he is now delivering this letter on his behalf. I mean, they share it all together. They share the joys. They share the sorrows. They, they share the ups. They, they share the downs. They share the successes and setbacks. setbacks and, and yet they remained together. 
It's no wonder that Paul calls him the beloved brother and faithful minister. I love that. Not just a beloved brother, but the beloved brother. I got to wonder if the the ones who are getting this letter, taking his name, would kind of indicate that he may have been from the area of Ephesus. And so I wonder if they knew who he was too. So he's saying, man, this is how you guys know him as well. He is just the beloved and faithful brother. I mean, what a blessing he was. I pray the same for you here. That you'd be blessed with that kind of a community. The people you couldn't imagine doing life without. Now, now to see that happen, if we're going to have a community that cares, it's going to take some work because community doesn't just happen. It doesn't show up like an Amazon package, right? You ever show up at home and you're like, another package? Where'd that come from, right? That's not how community works. To have community happen, we, we need to look out for people like Tychicus. We need to be a Tychicus. We need to be that kind of friend to other people where, where we invest in each other, where, where we show a ton of grace and a ton of love for each other. Now, Paul's sending this letter with this guy, and, he, and he's going to do the dangerous work of delivering the letter. Why? Paul's writing, taking his sending. Why? Because they love and care for this church. I mean, think about it. Paul's in prison, but he, but he knows that isolation is a, a greater prison than any jail cell you could be in. He, he knows that, that loneliness is, is far more devastating than any shackles that are around his feet. We see reflected in Paul's words here just this, this authentic community that he has, the value of pursuing it. Paul has a lot going on in his life at this time, Right? If, if anyone had an excuse to, to not engage in community, it was the Apostle Paul. Like, he could say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm tied up right now, and literally mean it, right? He's in jail, right? He's tied up. That's the joke, okay. Like, he could be like, I can't, I can't get involved in this right now. I, I can't be engaged in this right now. I got too much going on right now. I've got nothing to give. But, but even though he's in this tough situation, he's, he wasn't self-absorbed and he, he cares for these people. He doesn't allow his circumstances to hold him back from connecting in the community. Antichicus delivers this letter out of love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Because listen, Ephesus wasn't just a short trip from Rome. It's not, it's not like just going from, from Huntsville to Bracebridge. No, it would be more like going from Huntsville to Winnipeg. Right? And, and he's traveling half of that on ships. He's, he's walking the other part. This would be month, if not more, in a journey. And I pray that we would be those who pursue genuine community. And to pursue that, it's going to be founded on, based on, built on this active, sacrificial devotion to it. I mean, really, Paul and Tychicus are just living out the, the reality of what Paul laid out for us in Ephesians 4, where it says that, that Jesus ascended on high and he, he gave us gifts that we would use our gifts to build the body of Christ. So here, Paul and his buddy are doing just that. They're using their gifts to build the body of Christ. And they're saying, listen, the walls of a prison aren't going to stop us from doing this. Circumstances aren't going to hold back from these gifts that we've been giving. You say, I'm in prison, but what I have in Christ, these officials can't touch. And so I'm going to love. I'm going to pursue. They can imprison me, but the word of God can't be locked up. There's something else about this blessing of community here we see. I love that Paul says, I'm sending you this. I'm sending you Tychicus because I want you to know how I'm doing. 
I mean, he's giving them an update, but I think it's something even so much more than that. He's saying, I want you to know my heart. I mean, I love the end of Paul's letters because you have these greetings, these benedictions, and, and they remind us that Paul's just a normal guy too, right? Like you can read through a book like Ephesians that has such deep theology, such, such powerful language, truths about the glory of God. And at the end, he ends letters like, oh yeah, and by the way, if you're gonna come visit, could you send me my coat? I forgot it. Hey, say hi to, to Persis for me. I love that guy. That's how Paul writes these letters. He, he's an apostle chosen by Christ, filled with the Spirit to, to write the very word of God, but he's a brother, listen, who needs to be known. And he's not too proud to say that. Blatantly, he says it twice. I want you to know how I am. I want to be known. I think so often we associate strength with independence. I mean, it's so wrong. It's, it's something our culture created that is so, so dumb that we'd ever think that I'm stronger if I'm alone. No, the opposite is true. Spiritual maturity is not, not being independent from others. It's, it's knowing others and being known by others. In fact, I would say this, the more mature you get in Christ, the more you grow in Christ, the more you realize how much we need each other. I mean, I think that's what made this whole past COVID ordeal so difficult, right? It was the isolation that did damage. Why? Because we need each other. When, when I hear about this desire to be known, that Paul says, I, I, I desire that you know who I am, my mind actually went to Hagar. I don't know if you know that story in Genesis chapter 16. Hagar's this woman who was treated so harshly. She was rejected, she was shamed, she was alone, and she runs away in fear and shame. But it says in Genesis 16 that the Lord seeks her out. He listens to her affliction. He speaks to her gently. He blesses her. And, and Hagar leaves this encounter with God. And she summarizes the whole thing by saying this, you're the God who sees me. I love that. Not just the God who saves, not, not just the God who blesses, not just the God who is sovereign. And those are all true, but also this He's the guy who sees you. I mean, have you ever been in that place where you feel so alone, so unseen? Maybe you're there right now. I mean, I've been there. Right, where I found myself asking the question, like, does anybody even care? Am I just all alone in this? But Hagar has this encounter with God where the, the one who sees her, and listen, that's a desire we all have. To, to be seen, to be heard, to be loved. And listen, God does see. God does know. God does love you. You're not alone this morning, however much you might feel that. And church, listen, we need to be that for others. That God calls every one of us to show each other his heart. And so like Paul, let's be willing to be known and let's pursue each other in love. To, to, be, to be loved without being known is just flattery. You don't really know who I am and you're telling me you love me. That, that, that's, that's, not, that's not deep. But, but to be fully known and still be loved, listen, that's family. We say this a lot as a church that, that when the gospel takes root in a community, listen, we don't hide from each other any longer. That, that our sin and our brokenness doesn't need to, to be a barrier where we hide out in shame. No, we can, we can walk in to church 
knowing that the gospel says this, Jesus knows the darkest parts of my heart and he still loves me. And so we do that with others. We, we leave fake at the door and, and, and in the gospel, we, we can be known and listen and loved. And I pray that's true about our church. God, make us a church full of love and full of grace for each other. Now to do that, it means we have to be willing to really let people know us. And second, we have to be the kind of community that cares enough to, to, to love each other even through the struggles. Not just to love each other when, when you provide for us. Not, not just to love when, when things are easy, but to really love each other. Love people for who they are. I'm not talking about letting them just stay in their sin. No, no, no. We, we want to grow past that, but it's not that I, we'll stop loving each other or being in a relationship with each other. We'll pursue Christ together. This type of gospel community is, is, is what God calls us to. A family that sticks it out through tough days, that, that loves each other because we don't just attend church together. We've been adopted by God, Ephesians 1 says, as brothers and sisters together. I mean, I pray that you're blessed with a community that cares. Next in this passage, we see another blessing, and second one this morning is this, blessed by a truth that transforms. Verse 22, he says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. The, the truth that, that Tychicus is bringing to encourage the hearts of the people, I, I believe it's, it's this letter, but, but it's also this, this, this benediction. It's, it's not just a quick throwaway by Paul. He, he sums up really the whole book in verse 23 where he says, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he's saying, listen, I'm not just teaching you about this. I want to encourage you with this, that, that you'll be encouraged by a truth that will transform your very life. That, that if you're weighed down with sin and guilt and shame, that you'd be encouraged that Christ dealt with your sins through the cross. If you're in difficult circumstances, you'd be encouraged that Christ conquered the grave and ascended to heaven. He's sovereign over all. If you feel weak and tired, that you would be encouraged that Christ sent his spirit to empower us to do what we could never do on our own. Some of you need to be encouraged this morning. I mean, you, you trust God, you believe, but man, it's so hard some days. And following Jesus wasn't easy in Ephesus. It's not easy in our culture as well. And so I, I pray this. I pray that the four truths that Paul quickly lays out here, that you'd be encouraged by these. The first is this, he prays they'd have peace. He says, peace to the brothers and sisters. Now, now when, when Paul says peace, he's not like a 90s rapper, he's going peace, right? It's not like a, a way you just say see you later, right? Peace in scripture has this deep meaning, not, not just the absence of war, but the very presence of God. The, the Hebrew word for peace was shalom. It's, it's what was happening in the Garden of Eden. There was this, this shalom until sin invades and, and destroys that, shatters the shalom and the peace. But, but here's the truth that encourages our hearts. God's restoring the shalom. In the very beginning of Ephesians chapter one, it says that God has a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, to bring peace. 
Sin divides, Jesus unites. He brings peace where there was hostility. And, and God's plan to bring peace between him and us and between each other comes through Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians 2.14 that Christ is our peace, that, that he makes peace through his sacrifice on the cross, that that separation we have from God because of our sin is dealt with on the cross. And it says that Jesus tore down the walls of hostility that divide us. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. In Christ, there is peace between you and God. There's peace with others through Jesus Christ. Paul also talks about love. He says, peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. He says, love, love, love is this motivation of all of God's work, everything that he's done. What, what brings peace? Why did he bring peace? Why did Jesus give his life for us, for this peace? All through the book of Ephesians, you see it repeated over and over again. It's his love. I found this on the <laughs> Even Siri wants to know about love. Imagine if Siri got saved this morning. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Ephesians 1 says that God adopted us as his sons and daughters. Listen, not out of obligation. He didn't have to. And it's not because we were lovely that he did it. He did it because of his love for us. Ephesians 2 says we're dead in our sins, but God, because of his great love for us, made us alive. Ephesians 3 says that, that we are rooted and grounded in love, a, a love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge, that, that the height and the depth and the breadth of this love is unending. Ephesians 4 says that we're to bear with one another in love, speak the truth to one another in love, that our church is built up in love. Then you go into Ephesians 5 and 6 and it talks about how to live this love out, to walk in love just as Christ loved us. It's no surprise that Paul wraps up this whole thing talking about love again. So listen, be encouraged this morning. God loves you. And not just a future version of you, not, not the fully sanctified version of you, like right now, God loves you. <laughs> Some people get uncomfortable when we talk about God's love. I mean, if, if you were here during the, the spring and there was the, this weird t-shirt thing that happened in our high school, a big controversy about t-shirts people wearing. And so Pastor Marshall and I were thinking about what kind of t-shirts could we make that our youth going into the high school would be able to have shirts. And we're talking about well, maybe it's a simple shirt that says Jesus loves you on it. You wouldn't believe the, the pushback. Well, you can't just say Jesus loves you. That's not the full story. Listen, listen, when, when, when I say God loves you, listen, listen, when we see God's love in scripture, it's not some sentimental, squishy kind of love. When, when Paul talks about God's love here, it's the love that motivated God the Father to send his beloved son to offer up his perfect life on the cross for our sins. That's the kind of love. It's the kind of love that's so committed to the other that it sacrifices its own well-being. Jesus went to the cross out of love to reconcile us to God, to conquer sin and death in his resurrection. That's the love of God. Be encouraged. God is abounding in love for you. Thirdly, it talks about love with faith. Faith. If love's the motivation of God's work in Christ, then faith is the receiving of that work. 
Ephesians 2 says that it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. So we see through the book of Ephesians how much God has done for us. And listen, we receive all of that blessing, all of those promises, we receive it by faith. So listen, faith just isn't that first door you open when you give your life to Christ. You trust him for salvation. It's, it's a faith that's ongoing through your entire life in every aspect of your life. We're saved by faith, but we also receive our identity in Christ through faith. We're transformed in our character by faith. Our words, our emotions, our, our actions, our relationships, our work, all transformed by faith. God's done the work that affects it all. Listen, we're to receive it all through faith. And faith is this act of trust where we say, God, I surrender the grip I have on my life in faith and I receive what you're giving me. Faith is us letting go of the control. Letting go of our own efforts to create our own identity, to, to work everything out for ourselves. And, and, and faith is, is us seeing that, that, that nothing compares to the immeasurable riches of the grace we have in Christ. I hope if you're here this morning and you're wondering if you can put your faith and trust in Christ, I pray the Spirit opens your heart up and that today would be the day you say, I trust Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, whatever you're going through in your life today, that that I pray that today would be the day where you can release your grip and say, God, I trust you with this. Just this week, I I was meeting with somebody who was, just walking with a person going through an incredibly difficult season. And as we were talking, there was this realization that this truth that transforms everything. Listen, that when we have a faith and a trust in God, it produces joy. And that that joy only comes from this faith saying, God, I, I trust you as my father. Even in the hard seasons. And, and your heart begins to rest in the providence of God. Begins to rest in his love for you and his care for you as you intently, intentionally, actively grab a hold of the promises of God. And you cling to them even through the trials. There's a peace and a hope and a joy that's in that that no one or nothing can touch. It's what fills Paul's heart with joy while he's in prison awaiting death. It's saying, God, I trust you're a good father. You give good gifts. And I can't see it right now. I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't understand your plan, but I know your heart and I know your promises. So in faith, I'm grabbing a hold of that. And listen, that's the foundation. Paul encourages us with that foundation of truth and peace and love and faith, we move forward. And he says this, the last truth he gives us in verse 24. He says, in grace be with all. He talks about this encouragement of grace. The grace uh, uh, is the source of everything we've just talked about. It's, it's the source of, of Christ's work in your life. It's a, everything we have is by grace. And, and listen, we try to do so much on our own to deal with sin and shame. We try to do all we can to, to create an identity. Some, sometimes we hide or we fake it. Sometimes we try with perfection. We try to earn our worthiness by, by constantly performing and perfecting and pleasing and proving. Or, 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 or we try to rest on our stuff, on our money, on our things. Or we go to substances or people. Anything to try to gain this peace and this hope. Listen, listen, only grace. 
Only the good news of Jesus Christ brings this. Be encouraged. Listen, God is abounding in grace. God, who knows everything about you, all your insecurities, all your failures, all your sin, yet in Christ he loves you and gives you a, a, his breastplate of righteousness. He calls you his beloved. He adopts you as his child. He chose you and called you by grace. He's changing you daily by grace. He'll ultimately glorify you by grace. And we can't earn it. We can't lose it. We don't deserve it. We don't work for it. And so what do we do? We believe it. We rest in this grace. We embrace it. We love it. We have our lives defined by God's amazing grace. So what have we seen? We're, we're, we're blessed with a community that cares. We're, we're blessed with this truth that transforms it. Lastly and quickly, verse 24, we're blessed with a love that lasts. Verse 24 says, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible a love that lasts, a love that never dies. We've walked through six chapters of theology and truth about who Christ is, truth about who you are in Christ, and it ends here with his last two words, love incorruptible. A love that's unending, a love that's eternal, a love that's imperishable. That's the kind of love that brings confidence. It's not a fickle love. It's not a love that might be here today, but I don't know if it'll be around tomorrow. No, it's incorruptible. Now, here's the amazing thing about this phrase. Look at the sentence again. Who, whose love is Paul talking about? For all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible, he's actually not describing God's love. Listen, he's describing your love. If you're like me, you're like, wait a minute, Paul, I think you got the wrong person. I, I don't have a love that's incorruptible. My, my love is weary. My, my love is tenuous at times. My, my, I, like, like, how can we say that we have a love for God and a love for others that's incorruptible? Listen, here's where grace comes in again. Your incorruptible love for Jesus comes because of the incorruptible love you get from Jesus. Our love is only as strong as its source. And when you're filled with the love of God, you, you have this unending love to give others. And you can't, listen, you can't muster this kind of love up. It's an overflow of your time as you meditate in the truths of what God's unpacked for us in Ephesians. It, it's, it's knowing who Christ is. We live out of that love that God, God has for us, the love we've been given. And, and with that love, with our lives rooted and based on that love, what God's done for us, we then love. That's the foundation we're called to walk in. That's the identity you've been given in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a blessed child of God. So what do we do? We live with the security and the confidence that comes with having God as our father. If you're in Christ, you're blessed with being made new. So you, you live with a purpose and, and, a, and a passion of someone who's part of something bigger than yourself. If you're in Christ, you've been blessed with Christ's redemptive work. And so you live with the joy and the freedom that comes from being set free from sin. If you're in Christ, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. 
So we don't live anymore by, defined by what we lack, but instead we live by the abundance of what you have in Christ. And, and when you do, listen, your love is incorruptible because the source of your love is incorruptible. It's eternal. It's undying. This type of love that Christ has that he fills you with is undying because its source, the source of your love has conquered death itself. Satan tried to kill the source of this love 2,000 years ago, but it didn't work. Jesus rose from the dead, and that's good news. You could say amen after something like that, probably. <laughs> we have an incorruptible love because we have an incorruptible Savior. He rose from the dead. Listen, he's alive and he's changing lives. So put your faith in him. In the one whom the tomb can't even hold. As the worship team comes up, as we close, listen, my hope is this that you would put your faith in this kind of love, in the fullness of the grace of God, that, that every spiritual blessing you have that changes your heart, that, that he gives you a new identity, that he invades every aspect of your life for his glory. Put your faith in him. Proclaim that faith to the world around you. Listen, listen, be bold about what it means to be a child of God who has an incorruptible love because you have an incorruptible Savior. So tell your friends about Jesus. Tell them that. Tell them, listen, what they long for can be filled in Jesus, that he's alive and he can change them just like he's changed you. Just this past week, Pastor Jeremy got a text from somebody in our church who had the privilege of praying with someone who gave their life to Christ. I, mean, I love, I love that we're, as a church, we're, we're filled with people who have a heart for those around them who don't know Jesus. Filled with a church of people who would say, I've been transformed by the love of Jesus. I want to show that to a world who needs it. Listen, this love will only last, listen, this love will only last here as a church as we hold on to Jesus. You know, the church in Ephesus, later on we hear about them in the book of Revelation where Jesus writes letters to these seven churches and one of the letters is to this church in Ephesus. And he says this, you guys have great doctrine. You guys were defenders of the truth in a culture that didn't have truth. You boldly stood up with truth. You endured suffering for it. But then Jesus says this, you've forgotten the most important thing. You've forgotten your love for Jesus. Listen, all the things that we've got before us, the ministry God's called us to in the culture that he's called us to serve, let's keep the main thing the main thing here at Harvest. That we would love Jesus, that we would love each other, that we would love our community because Jesus first loved us. I mean, don't forget what we've learned through this book of Ephesians, the, the depth of God's love for us, the, the height of God's love for us, the, the glory of what he's done for us, and let this shape every aspect of our lives, all to the praise of his glorious grace. Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I can't help but stop and thank you for the immeasurable riches of your grace in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the peace that brings to our lives. Thank you that through the cross you've changed us from sinners to saints. And so God, we respond to that in love. We respond to that in worship. We respond to that with faith that we receive. We trust you. 
Help us let go of the things that we cling so tightly in place of you and instead to say, Jesus, you're my king. You're trustworthy because you're sovereign, because you're good. Lord, I pray that you would open up hearts across this room to receive your love, that your love would transform us to love you and to love others. That you'd increase our capacity to love you and love others. God, empower us to the point where our lives display your grace and your kindness to this world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.